Show me that spine. Show me spine. Where did Timmy take, take your chocolate? Where's the Tim Tammy took? <laughs> Don't hide it from me, Jordan. Don't hide it from me. Have you cleaned your room, Jordan? Exactly. And that would be it. You best be cleaning it. <laughs> Welcome, beautiful people, to the Getting Mental podcast, where we explore the wide-ranging factors that shape our lives, from the political to the mental. Today, we're getting mental with none other than John Kai Herbert. John began his humble beginnings as a project manager in the film and TV industry, where he moved on to eventually become the operations manager, focusing on acquisition, drafting policies, and implementing systems alongside the executive team. After working in the industry for over 17 years, John decided to take what he had learned from working so closely with others in the film industry a step further. John left his job and embarked on a journey of deep learning, the outcome of which has led him to become a specialist in characterology, body psychotherapy, and somatic listening. In addition to this, John has also studied comprehensively in transhumanism, psychodynamics, attachment theory, the occult, Human design, gene keys, shadow work, and this one I might butcher, but true, psi, derail, astrology, and more. John uses these tools and modalities to help his clients in, in workshops and in one-on-one create lasting change, and is currently writing a book about his methods in creating change, all of which we'll discuss in this episode. John, thanks for coming on. Ah, hey, welcome, Luke. I love reading that bio. I could, I could hear you read that all day. I just tell me again. Tell me again. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a good, good little while looking at that, and there was tons of stuff that I missed out on that. You know, including the podcast that you have and and other various things, um, which we'll go through in this episode here. I wanted to start in a an interesting spot. I was listening to the Donald Trump episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. Listening to the Donald Trump episode zero two two, and it was called. <clears throat> Donald Trump, How the Body Tells a Story. And in that podcast, you said, the less you empathize with a person, the more you dehumanize yourself. Mm -hmm. Would you like to expand that a bit and just talk about, you know, what that actually means, even in the context of what's happening in the world right now with all the, you know, the diversity of opinions and this person's this and this person's that? Yeah, sure. So uh, in the context of that... um so in the peak of that, the Donald Trump era and that political polarization, what I could see from both sides of the political spectrum was like this dehumanization um, where based on someone's political values, um, there was a, this person isn't worthy of my time and energy. And then in the context of Donald Trump, like he was seen as this, this figure of, like almost like a, a, a demon, like he was demonized and dehumanized in that, that process, like he's less than human. And, and what I've seen in, from what I've studied is that when you start to dehumanize the human, like separate, um, conjoin the, the human with the, the action, um, you, you lose the humanity in that. So yes, you know, he, he wasn't a very popular man in some circles, um, the way he treated people or the way he operates or he's very self-centered and self-focused, um, almost to the point of 
um, he would be willing to sacrifice somebody else in order to get what, what he wants, now, that kind of energy about him. And then when you only see that public figure, whatever the, the, the media portrays or whatever makes it to the surface, you can dehumanize, you lose that humanity. Like he, he goes home at night and might, he might cry or he might, um, he might really struggle with the, the weight of the world on his shoulders as, as a president, um, when he was president. Um, or, or feel like really de quite depressed and upset around how people were treating him. Um, so in that dynamic, the empathy component in, in that podcast, like I speak to, like you're understanding someone's childhood um, and like really acknowledging like where, they've, where they've come from. You can create an empathy around who they are today. That doesn't excuse how they behave because I, I see there's, a, there's an accountability that's still required. In, in that conversation. However, to dehumanize the person because of their actions, I don't see it as a, as a way we can move forward as a civilization. Um, like punishing someone or condemning someone based on what their upbringing was like. Um, yeah, it doesn't, I just see it as, as there's, there's more constructive ways of being able to empathize and, and unite us as, as one, one, one body, one, one whole um, planet. You see it so often and it's just, it's an everyday human experience. And when you're arguing with someone, when you're in the middle of a contentious conversation where you feel, especially intimately, where you feel so right, you feel like your opinion is bigger and better than the person you're speaking to because you're living in this reality in your own body, you tend to forget that the other person has their own reality going on. So when I heard that part about, you know, the less you empathize with a person, the more you dehumanize yourself. And also to add that as well, you said that the more you ignore the parts of other people, the more you ignore those darker sides of someone else, you're doing that to yourself as well. So when someone's going through this process of being in a, in a fight with their partner or, you know, like with this whole COVID thing and, you know, anti this or pro that, there's so much of this person's this and this person's that. And I think one of the, the founding philosophies, and you can correct me on this, I'm just this is purely conjecture on my part, is in transhumanism, they talk about being able to extend beyond who we are as people and become something bigger and better. Now, just to kind of keep this brief, scientists and, and people who study human nature, social psychology, they call it, will often say that this is just the way we are and this is just who we are. We have inbuilt biases for survival and etc. Do you agree with that opinion? And if you don't, and you do believe in transhumanism, which you've studied quite extensively, then how does that work if science has said all this stuff in the past about not being able to change? Mm. Now, that's, that's perfect. And um, just, just briefly, so how I got into transhumanism, um, I'm no, I no longer follow that, that ism now, well, I came to learn that the body is actually a really important component of life and of existence. And um, the transhumanist community are just humans looking to, to extend their life, like you said, just like to extend what it means to be human. Um, the, the, the part of us that makes us human, like I really don't feel like science has been able to really encapsulate like what makes us human. Um, so the, the reductionist way that science looked at it is basically, oh, we're, we're, we're a meat, meat sack, and then there's patterns of behavior that, that are almost fixed, that, that 
a part of human nature. And then when you remove like the emotional side, like the mental side, you're basically just like a, 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 a robot um, and you can replace it with, with anything. Um, so that, that what makes us human for me and what I learned moving out of the transhumanist community was that those, those childhood upbringings and like it doesn't matter what your, your initial upbringing was or whatever you consider your trauma was, attachment was, you have, you, there's, a, there's a, another path that is created um, in that where it, it's, it's to distill it down to what specific moments made you who you are is almost impossible because it's, it's in the body chemistry. So like, particularly in the voice, voice is a good one. So with the voice, when you go to speak your truth or something that is uncomfortable for you, sometimes you can feel like this, this clenching around the throat, right? So is that, is your brain making your throat feel a little bit clenched up because you want to speak? Or is there something that's in your throat, like um, somatically or central nervous system that's stopping you from wanting to say whatever it is present for you? As far as I'm concerned for this conversation, this part particular is there's two defining beliefs that you see in the culture, right? And when I say culture, I mean the cultures that I'm a part of, which is modernity, right? The, the, the modern parts of society talking about uh, science and how science is the solution to the future, you know, technology. And if you look at social psychology, which is a science, like psychology, they talk about the past and how in order to survive as humans and procreate, which was the two founding principles of why we do what we do, the underlying motives, we have inbuilt biases and these biases, which are shortcuts for thinking, if anyone doesn't know specifically what that is, are there to, to maintain or to create those two things, procreation and, and survival, to procreate perhaps. And the other camp, so that's the science of, of who we are and the solution to that is that we ought to learn to live with those things. And the other side is perhaps the more esoteric, spiritual way of, of looking at things, which is that we are infinity, we are eternity, we are everything, and everything is us. We are quantum physics, for lack of better words. And what this means is that we can extend our hand further than what we can this body right now. The psychology, which is inside of us, we can extend further. And when I was looking up, you know, uh, transhumanism in preparation for this, this talk with you, it said something about believing that humans can extend beyond who they are or who we have been defined as we are. And I have my beliefs around that. And I'd probably say that I lean more towards that. This is how we are. This is how we've been developed and this is how we've evolved. So we ought to learn how to manage those things and mitigate the risk as opposed to extending our hand out towards something that may not be true. So I guess the question is, if someone were to believe in the science, but then go towards the transhumanism point of view. And I know the ism is an iffy thing right now. Let's just call it spirituality, where everything yeah. is beyond. Then how would someone go ahead and believe in that when there's probably no evidence for that as far as I'm concerned? Mm, I guess it's, it's, it's a philosophy. So I guess, like for me, um, like... Uh, in the context of like a, a like I want to say like a, a rigid like a, the the scientific way of being like if the if you if you if you can't prove it 
mathematically or um, evidence-based and it's not it's not it's either waiting to be discovered or we've already discovered as much as we can uh, coming from that world I found I, I kept getting depressed I kept getting really anxious and upset around that there must be more to this like my I need to give my life some more meaning um, and in that like moving into the transhumanist realm in just the, 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 the hardcore transhumanist realm of like extending life beyond like 120 years or uploading into a computer or um, replacing body parts to, to be more machinery, uh, augmenting the body with mechanics. Um, that gave me a little bit of purpose. I was like, okay, cool. Like, if, if I die in this body, I can just be like, uploaded. I can be digital. Like, I can live forever. Because it was a real fear of death for me. And then bringing in that spiritual sphere of like a philosophy around, well, like if I'm, if I'm a fragment of consciousness experiencing it in this body right now, and then when I die, I return to a larger sphere or ball or whatever it is of consciousness, um, that gave my life a much more meaning. And then when I started going through the, the characterology component of things and, and that more the ancient gnosis of, you know, this is, we've got samskaras and there's, there's like karmic patterns that play out collectively in order for us to evolve into like a, almost like a, a singularity um, consciousness-wise, like a self, a self-actualization, self-actualized singularity, um, the spirituality side of it just made more sense to me. Um, especially when I was, this is a bit esoteric. Um, like some of the when I was learning my core energetics stuff and and skills, um, like doing like past life regressions or seeing other things that were like, wait a minute what the hell is this past life stuff? Like, this feels really real to me. And it could be something that my body just body needed to create a meaning to, to integrate it, which is what the, the mind is for. Okay, I need a reason for this. I can't have this unanswered question. I'm going to give it some meaning. So for me, I use the, the sphere of like philosophy and, and spirituality to answer some questions which give me more meaning and just a, a sense of purpose in life. Yeah, I mean, there's this idea by, you know, Richard Dawkins, he talks about, the God of the gaps in his book, The God Delusion, right? And what he says is that the things that we don't know about reality, we shouldn't fill them up with esoterical godlike characteristics, in my own words. And the danger in that is that you leave what could be solved and understood materialistically, scientifically, quote-unquote, uh, you leave that to the side because you choose to believe in something that may be inherently biased, you know? I'm not saying that, that that's what we do or we don't do. It's just an observation, right? And for me, I guess, growing up as, you know, uh, a left-brained person and seeing the world through a particular lens, which was that it's everything is, uh, you know, kind of black and white in a way and that something's real or it's not real, there's advantages and disadvantages to that, right? And I think that, and this is me correcting myself perhaps right now, is that there happens to be a balance you need to go by because a balanced point of view sees all directions. And the direction that you're missing out on is the direction that you need to understand more. And some would even refer to it as a shadow, right? And that goes back to what we were just saying then, which is at the start of this, which was when you choose not to empathize or when you don't empathize more accurately, perhaps you lose out on seeing your shadow because the parts you don't like in other people you probably don't like in yourself as well. So I think that goes full circle there, right? Um, but just quickly on what you said there about, and you can address that as well if you want to, but characterology, 
that's something I've never heard of before. I think we spoke about it a couple of times before in, in the last talk, but I haven't heard about it since. If you don't mind expanding on that as well, that would be awesome. Yeah, sure. I, I loved your review there as well, but the, the black and white and then the, the gaps. And I think they're both, both sides of thinking are really important. Like the black and white is like, you, you, we need that. We really need that. And yeah, then yeah. having the option for, yeah, you got, you got to. Like without that tension, like you don't, you don't create anything new. So it's like, I love that. And I love that competition between like science and spirituality. I think it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's important to have. Um, in, in the context of characterology, characterology. So that's a, um, it's looking at the body and establishing like um, behavioral patterns or ways of being purely based on like how, how someone looks, how someone stands, how someone moves, um, what their, their weighting of their body, whether it's like their, their, their upper body versus their lower body. It's, a, it's, a, it's from Wilhelm Reich, so it's part of the core energetics modality. And it's super fascinating. I was actually having a chat with um, um, a mate of mine a few years ago, and he's working in machine learning. And I said, bro, you could actually design an algorithm that you could look at someone's body and give a, f a fair assumption as to what they experienced in childhood based on what their characterology is. And he was super keen. Actually keen I'm actually keen to catch up with him again after um, being let out after COVID. So... It's, it's the characterology component is um, how your body designed defenses, physical, physi physiological defenses to protect itself from ego death. So as a child, like depending on the stages of development, like from zero to 21, your body will undergo specific um, musculature changes and... And what I've seen in my practice and when I was mentored was that these things, that these, these ways of being, these defenses are quite accurate. Um, like, uh, what can I speak to? Um, okay, masochism. Masochism is one that always pops up for me. So masochist, the masochistic character or the enduring character um, is someone who, who, who self-sabotages a lot. Um, and they, they tend to carry a lot of self-hatred. And in their body shape, um, for someone, de depending on what ratio, so if you look at it like a, uh, like a bar graph of like five things, like five specific character traits, um, there can be different, like a little bit more masochism, they're going to have this type of body shape. Um, if they're a bit more rigid, like a um, bit more, uh, they're going to have this, this shape. If they're a bit more um, schizoid, they'll have another type of body shape. So within the body shapes, there's, a, there's ways of being, however, back to the masochism. So masochistic people that have had a, a masochistic childhood um, tend to have a little bit plumper. They have more adipose tissue on their body. Um, and the, the pattern in childhood usually comes from the mother's side. A lot of this stuff is like from the mother's side of the family. Where the mother, so it, the, mother, the mother's relationship with the, with the child or the female caregiver, whoever is ident identified as the female caregiver. Um, not being able to say no to mum or whenever mum received a no, she was very, um, she was quite controlling towards the child. So what happens is the child bottles up all of this pent up rage, can't get it out. 
so they end up building this defense around I'm, I'm just going to keep myself away from everyone which comes in adipose tissue so a lot of these these my clients that are um, they have more adipose tissue than other like the rigid or the, the schizoid or the um, or the orality someone who has orality they're a bit tubbier a bit fatter around the gut so for me when I do body work depending on where they're at energetically and where they're ready to feel all their emotions, like I'll have a, a massage gun and I'll go straight in for their belly and just vibrate their belly. And, um, and they, they can either be like, they start to laugh or they can get really angry. And in that anger and losing control, they have more freedom of their, in their body. So the more permission you can express whatever's been suppressed, you just feel freer. And your body shape can change based on when you start addressing your childhood wounding. Mm, there's a lot to unpack there. The, the very first thing that I wanted to just bounce back to quickly, and we can go onto that, that trail more. You were talking about we have mechanisms or ways of, correct me if I'm wrong, dealing with emotions in the body that, that you can see on someone's physiology to avoid ego death. Why, why do humans and why are we trying to avoid quote unquote, ego death. And if you could expand on what ego death actually means as well. Yeah, great. Great question, Luke. So uh, an ego death in the way of whoever you think you are isn't important or doesn't need to exist anymore. So for a baby who's looking at the mother and the mother doesn't return like a loving gaze, they can be like, uh, like, okay, mum's not, Mum's not returning. Mum's not returning love to me. Okay, I need to survive right now. I need to survive. I need to survive. I need to survive. What am I going to do? I'm going to create some other reason why my mum doesn't want to look at me, and that reason gets trapped in the body chemistry, um, usually around the neck or the eyes. You can see sometimes you can I can look at someone who who's had like a high orality, and I can just see that there's a there's an I can't see the vitality in their eyes. There's something that's there that's it's what's missing for you. What's missing for you? Yeah, it's like a cloud in the eye. And yeah. the mechanism is to protect you. And, of course, it's a story to, to protect your integrity from... Right, that makes sense now. I'm just unwinding in my head. So it's in order for you to protect yourself from the idea or the concept that, quote, you're not loved or you're, you're, not, you're not good enough or X, Y, Z, your body creates mechanisms in between. So ego death can really be... Uh, to maintain self-esteem in a different way. Totally, totally. And then some of the, spot on. And then some of the older, as you grow up, some of the other defenses that pop up are around puberty. So sexual shame. So sexual shame shows up in the body a particular way as well, where it's like, oh, like, like whether someone um, touches you inappropriately or um, like your first sexual encounter, you felt a lot of shame or you weren't respected. Um, uh, that that shows up in the body as well. Um, yeah, there's it's it all it's all about either avoiding toxic shame or shame or guilt or or, or obliteration of self. Like, okay, this is who I am. I need to maintain this image of who I am. I'm going to build defenses up around my body, whatever it looks like. Not open my heart to people. Um, not open my heart to people or um, uh, go into my head to escape or over talk to people because when I'm talking to someone I feel like I'm connected to them however I'm talking at them not to them 
Um, there's all there's a there's a, a litany. There's a whole bunch of um, um, different traits that that come in through yeah your body defense. Okay, so it was, it was William Reich. Wilhelm Reich. Wilhelm Will, Reich. Wilhelm Reich. Wilhelm, yeah. And then, and then his work was modified slightly by Alexander Lowen. So Lowen's work is a little bit more grounded. Um, he's, and, and he's more respected when you research him. Wilhelm Reich gets, gets um, um, a baby, a lot of Wilhelm's work is, gets thrown out like the baby in the bathwater. Um, he was a little bit of a mad scientist. So he devised technology like the cloud buster, he had like orgone boxes where people could sit inside them and they'd be temporarily healed from certain illnesses. Um, but it, was, it, was, it was in the era of the wild west of psychology. So there's, there were some of his experiments were a little bit, um, yeah, left field. However, in that his characterology stuff is useful and versatile, which Alexander Lowen took on board and devised a little bit, bit more. He's got a great book called uh, depression in the body and speaks to how he treated people with depression, long-term chronic depression by massaging and, and making them do specific body movements. And then Alexander Lowen partnered with John Paracos and created core energetics, which is what I'm trained in. Um, they had more exercises and with John, he involved more of the heart. So he wanted more of a, a compassionate, um, heart-focused, purpose-focused, and also tied in some, some spirituality as well in that container. Um, so, yeah, those three, those three chaps. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. I'm just unpacking it in my mind and just going through some of the stuff you said there, and it, and it seems like just getting you know, inside your mind and, and how you, you're seeing it, um, just to completely understand the concept, it seems like, if that's if if you know trauma or pain, which I think trauma is the stories that we tell ourselves, and the original part of the, the trauma as well. If that's stored in the body, that means the manifestations that we have physically, physiologically, migraines, uh, you know, arthritis, uh, you know, stuff like that is caused by emotion. Is that accurate? Yes and no, and this is what I love. I love you said. I loved you said that, bro, because like, and this is the importance of science. Like, it's it's about really distilling what's correct for you. Like, there's, I'll, I would want someone to diversify their how they see their symptoms. Like, sure, address it psychosomatically first, and then go into something that's a little bit more medicinal. Like, maybe you got migraines because um, of some other reason. Like I know that clients that have migraines tend to grind their teeth at night because um, a tight jaw can be caused from um, early childhood anxiety. So, and you could also have something else going on biologically in your body that's like immutable, like immutable biology. In, in the body, you, uh, you really need a, like a multi-pronged approach. Um, so having science there and having some of these other esoteric systems, like, I mean, the body keeps the score and some of these other books that are making it more into the mainstream are really starting to address this. Even Gable Martins. Yeah, good old, good old Bez. And, um, so there's, there's these overlays. And I think for me, like when a client comes to me and they, they talk about, I've got this psychosomatic thing, I've got some body thing going on whether it's clenching the jaw, grinding the teeth, migraine, sore neck. Um, lower back pain, whatever it is, 
Um, I do what I do. And I also say, well, like lower back pain can also be because you're sitting at a desk all day. It can also be um, you may have some other injury in your body. So there's, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a balance here, which I think is what the, the science is really important for. Like as an individual really needs to take control of whatever their, their body is doing. Um, so for me, it's like, cool, come and see me. This could be this or it could be that. Let's just try one thing. It's like troubleshooting it, like being able to test the same thing a GP would do. Try this, see if it works. If it doesn't, I'll give you something else or, or whatever it is. So, so let's, let's go in deep for a second. Let's go literal. And I'm going to use me as an example here. You said you happened to say maybe it was something beyond us. You said grinding your teeth and you said migraines, right? I did mention migraines before, but I've been getting, I've been grinding my teeth while I'm asleep for a long time. And I was at a, a friend's place and she was saying that when I was sleeping, I was grinding my teeth and she could hear me like voraciously grinding my teeth. And just over the last two or three months, it's started to die down now because I've been doing yoga every day and moving in the body, which I can hear, I feel, feels really good and I've heard it's really good as well. But she was saying I was grinding my teeth really badly and you know I'm aware of it because I can feel my jaw in the morning and I massage it before I go to bed sometimes as well. So in characterology and in body psychotherapy, is there telltale signs for particular parts of the body that you can address certain issues with, if you're comfortable yeah. going into that? Yeah, totally, totally. So um, usually I start with the behavior. So what's the reoccurring theme in your life? Or I'll go straight to like, do you grind your teeth? Do you have neck pain? Can you feel your body or do you go numb? So with the, with the jaw... Um, do you want to do it right now? Like a, yeah. <laughs> I do, do a reading on you right now. <laughs> yeah, I can if you want to. Yeah, yeah, no, please, please. Okay, cool. So like, like you've mentioned your jaw. Mm. So like for me, like, I'd be like, okay, cool, bro. Would you be comfortable massaging your jaw? So I'd, like, I'd start massaging your jaw and then like tell you to close your eyes and keep breathing into the pain. And then I would say, okay, I'm just going to turn this pain up. So I start pushing a little bit harder. And then the, like the jaw can be quite sensitive and quite tight. So, and then I'd ask you to open your mouth and make a sound. Mm -hmm. And then whatever the sound is, usually it's like some kind of like rage, guttural rage. And then I can go even deeper into the point where like the, the, I can see the rage coming out in your eyes or whatever the pent up emotion is that's coming out of your eyes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how I would do it. So what else would I I'd work on you? So there's two things. One, there's sure I can access the hurt and the pain. What it also does is it frees up other chi and prana or, or gas or kundalini or whatever you want to call the energy in the body. And that needs a container to go to. So normally what I would do is I'd ground you to in your body. Like I'd make sure that you are lying down. So on your body, the way you move, the way how you are, uh, I'd put you in the category of someone who... And this is pathology, bro. And like, I don't like using it because it's like, I don't like using the pathology. So if you can, if you can detach, like this is just a diagnosis. Like you, you aren't this person. There's some traits in you that I'd see that would, would, would be categorized in this old German way of using like, like DSM style pathology. So 
the way I look at you, your perfection, the way your body moves, I say there's a rigid component to you. So you've got that, you, you, the way you, you are, you're very smart, the way your, your face is handled, you're, you're a handsome looking guy. So there's like a part of you that's like, you've, you've, got, like the, 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 you've got good ratio of like your body is like a good, like <laughs> you're fit, <laughs> right? So, so in that, um, the rigidity comes, it's a, it's a later stage wounding around um, like perfectionism and being criticized. So with the rigid, in, in, that, in that context, there's like a, a teenage year type criticism that's come up. And, uh, and there can be like this, this crushing self-shame that you're not good enough. Um, so what happens is the rigid, like uh, in order to survive, they, they see this shame here and they rise above the shame. So they're like, nah, you know what, I'm better. I'm going to be the best, the best of the best. So, so in that, you, you, you form like an armoring around your heart and an armoring around your back. So for, uh, on your back, there, I, would, I would start massaging around the back of your heart between your shoulder blades. And then you're also incredibly smart. If I was doing some body work on you, I would massage your head too in the base of your neck. So around the base, under, under the occipital, like under here, I just give it some space. I'm like, I'd say, Luke, this, uh, I'll get you to lie down. And I said, take a deep breath. I'm just going to massage your neck, base of your skull, and just work around here, around here, and then here. And I'd say, just let me know if you see any memories or anything. Let me know if any, any, anything comes up for you. Um, and if something comes up, I'd stop and say, just tell me more about that. What, was, what, what happened there? Like, what, what, did, what, did you, what are you still trying to make sense of? Or did that make you anxious? Like, just exploring the emotion and then to be able to just express it. And sometimes with clients, there could be something around, oh, my dad told me this. My dad, something happened. And what was one that was recent? Um, oh, Right, so I had a client recently, and um, she's a rigid. She has rigid. Um, it's called, in the old speak. It's called a hysterical female. Um, in the in the in the German um, pathology. So, very attractive woman, um, high sexual drive, um, and in the jaw, there's a lot of tightness in the jaw. So when I was massaging her jaw, I she said, oh. I remember this time with my mum and I was doing something. What was she doing? I think she was like dancing or doing something that she felt really free. And then her mum said, like, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. And then you look stupid doing that. And she embarrassed her. And in that embarrassment, she didn't want to look. She was like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed. And then in, in, in not saying to getting angry at her mum, and she repressed this image of what she needed to be like in her body. And it just came up in her jaw, in her, her creativity. She doesn't speak her truth. Um, and and so, so in that, the, 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 the jaw is usually repressing some kind of truth. Like, and it could be anything, and it could be something that's really horrible. You know, like, um, so, like rigid, I'm rigid as well, so I've got the rigid, rigid traits. Um, some of the stuff that I think about about people is like cruel um, and I could be like really cutting to people and I've used that as a strategy to like 
either get one up like one upmanship or criticize or like internally I'll be like playing these like competition games in my head and how I can be better than this person, which is a, is a classic rigid thing. Um, for me, my jaw wasn't that bad when I do a lot of jaw work. Um, what was bad was um, more like the, the birth trauma type stuff, which is a little bit behind the jaw back here. Um, and like when we've massaged men in like a workshop setting before, um, there's a, <laughs> it's quite uncanny to witness it when you start using some of these really sensitive pain points. Um, what you see in someone's eyes when they just really go there. Um, so yeah, Luke, like I'd love to do a session with you, bro. Like swing around, man. We'll just do a, what's going on for you, bro? Let's, let's work on your jaw. Let's work on your neck. Like, what's, <laughs> what's, what's going on there? <laughs> it's a very, very different approach to let's hang out. Look at your jaw. How's your jaw going? <laughs> I was put, I just put the sign up out front. There's um, the sign. I don't know if you've seen the sign. Um, wait, Do, um, doing work or something. Doing work like um, uh, emotional release in progress. Everybody is safe, you know. Like because I get women, like women, like I'll reenact events, and I'll have women like screaming at the top of their lungs, like uh, to an ex or something, um, to like just be able to relive that moment and take control of the moment instead of feeling helpless or like a victim. So and that that's guttural, like we're ac accessing like a woman's like that territorial sacred rage, like it, it shocks. Like yeah, after, so the sign I have out front is everything's okay, emotional release going on. Like don't no need to call the police. It's all right. It's under control. But yeah, man, I'd love to. I'd love to have you downstairs in the dojo. Could do some, do some some light light body work on your jaw. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to take you up on that offer. <laughs> So it seems to me, you know, what happens with in the body, you know, a lot of the symptoms that show up, people think or believe that it has to do with primarily and only living life, you know, old age and genetical weaknesses and various things like that. And they forget to realize based on what you're saying and, you know, what, what the modalities that you teach and the, the approaches you take that there's more to it than there is to do with having a doctor look at you and saying, oh, you grind your teeth, wear a, you know, wear a um, mouth guard, mouth guard to, to, bed, to bed or something or, you know, or do this or do that. And it seems like it's changing slowly now. People are offering massages and those kind of things. But for the most part, what this kind of work is, is firstly, body, inside your body, that's where trauma is, st is stored, right? The, the, the situations and the things that show up in your body, they aren't there just to annoy you or, you know, like just because you are who you are or whatever. It's because of the experience you've had. And because you've had these experiences, you can then change them by accessing them through the body instead of through the mind. Is that accurate? It is. It is. So they're, they're both work in conjunction. So like I think my modalities like NLP and CBT and DDT and all those other ones that, that, that um, DDT, um, is some acronym with a D. DMT? DMT, <laughs> Joe Rogan. Uh, so like, um, yeah, there's, there's the, every every modality stacks. So like mm -hmm. every 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 kind of mo every every technique, every therapist that you've been to, like all of everything come kind of comes together in the end. Um, so I, I think that there there is definitely an overlay addressing stuff in the body and then going to a talking therapist because sometimes you need that conversation. Sometimes you just need someone to listen to you and like talk it out. Um, so I don't want to. I guess um, I don't want to poo-poo 
what we've done in the past. I think this, whatever this journey is, has been required to like, um, so we, we don't have people like just assuming straight away, like, oh, you're grinding your jaw. Oh, this is because of some, this is because little Timmy took your chocolate away when you were two years old and that's it, you know. You've got to deal with that. You haven't dealt with that <laughs> problem yet. It's like, no, there can Damn, be more. Timmy. <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> Timmy took my chocolate, mummy. So there's, there's, there's layers in that because there could be something else involved too. Like, um, mm-hmm. we do, and then also, we, we do have a lot of unexplained illnesses out there. And I, I, really, I really love that we, we are opening this, uh, the, the fields up to, hey, what else could there be? Like, even with, like plant medicine and psychedelics, like we're seeing a, a surge in, in um, psychedelics and, and plant medicines as an adjunct therapy for like other, other illnesses, especially like um, PTSD and um, that kind of stuff. So, and, the, and those medicines specifically work with the body. So I don't know if you've seen some of the, some, some really cool videos out there around people you taking like plant medicines in a, in, a, in a therapeutic setting, particularly with PTSD. And they have this whole process, they're designing more and more therapy. You can get trained in Australia now to, to run with psychedelics. Wow. It's, re- it's, it's, it's groundbreaking stuff. I'm so excited, bro. Cause it's gonna, it's gonna like give so much more people freedom, like on, 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 an, on another level. And that which collectively allows the collective shadow to, to be more integrated. So we're not like suppressing like all these issues. But in the in the context of PTSD, like there's like soldiers, there's videos of soldiers who, um, like in an explosion or some battlefield situation where they have some plant medicines. It's usually psilocybin at the moment, or ketamine and uh, hallucinogenic doses of uh, cannabis. Um, they go to a meditative state. They're journeyed into a meditative state, and then they're body activates outside of the mind and their body just relives the trauma without trying to like survive and then they just grieve uh, they just feel whatever's there uh, it could be crying it could be rage um it's it's surreal but i've got to send you the videos bro they're surreal um and then they just have freedom afterwards it's like they, they, their and lives are changed really cut in there so yeah. where can people find that video just for that's the a people good listening? question i don't know i need it's um what's it called it's okay. We'll put it, just send it to me later on. Yeah, I'll, I'll send notes. it to you, bro. Like, like it's it, it, it would. If anyone's been cynical about like psychedelics in the past and like oh, because they're illegal, they're bad. Um, they really are an amazing therapeutic technology to get access where like talking therapy doesn't work. Like someone with complex PTSD or PTSD or even pre PTSD, um, where like you, you read a lot of things. Like a lot of preppers are considered to have pre-PTSD um, so it, it allows you to integrate the body and just be more present so yeah man I'll get you those links man I think yeah I, I reckon you'd love it I'd be like oh wow this is something that's, that's, that's here so um, I forgot that's where epic. we were going with that but that's where it ended up yeah, that's okay that's okay that's that's excellent to know there's you know with all this stuff going on in the world things are shifting things are changing and some for the positive and maybe depending on who you are some for the worse what is the reason behind that from a you mentioned an interesting word. You said karmic cycles, and you said similar lines of we go through cycles. That's how I interpreted it. Could you expand that a bit more? Yeah, totally. I, I think it's this is a, it's a philosophical point of view. So, in order to see um, that whoever my whatever my consciousness is, like whoever John is, whatever this part of John that's occupying this body right now, is part of a larger collective of consciousness 
in other people as well. So, um, uh, in 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 that that in the karmic cycle of 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 that component, there's karma is a collective thing that we all or we're all working through. So, like punishing someone for for something karmic. Oh, like you did that. You hurt your you you dropped a rock on your foot, and that's a karmic thing because you hurt your sister when you were two years old. That's, that's rubbish. That, 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 that concept of karma, I think, is rubbish. What I see karma is, is like we just, we're understanding more about how to love each other. We're understanding more about how to, to forgive our parents or forgive someone that's bullied us or to be able to come in like to, the, to a, a unity and also being able to honor the, your own individual essence. Like, like... I, I, I want everybody to be able to honor their own individual essence, whatever that is. And, and through those karmic cycles, we create, um, uh, we don't shame or dehumanize the individual. We honor each individual as part of like something larger, like part of the divine, part of a, a bigger picture. And we're all just expressing ourselves very uniquely in that, that picture. Um, uh, so karmic cycles wise is whatever our, our, our life journey whatever the patterns are in our life. So for me, like I, 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 the easiest way for me to address that is through the gene keys. So with the gene keys is a system based on the, 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 the I Ching where um, you, can, you can see where if there's a pattern that's been playing out in your life, you can, you can look at one of these keys, the same thing, or a hexagram in the I Ching, um, the I Ching, and reflect on it, contemplate, like, oh, like... Um, an example would be, like, why do I keep attracting the same people in my life? Like people that either like want to criticize me or judge me or whatever it is. Like what, what is it in myself that, that I'm not acknowledging or allow, I'm giving space for? And there's a, there's a barrier between that, bro. Like if, you keep, if, you, if you're, you're being abused, like physically abused or whatever it is, there's some other dynamic that's involved there. For, for the majority of the populace that are comfortable, you know, they might have a job or they're doing something that's like, they're in a good rhythm, they're in an okay rhythm, you know, but there's still reoccurring themes in their life around like either their relationship with their parents, relationship with food, relationship with community um, can be addressed in like these karmic patterns. If what's my lesson that I need to learn? Like who have I not forgiven? Or who who do I need to love more? What part of myself do I need to integrate to give permission to express, or maybe I need to speak to my wants and my needs. Like, I miss people. Why can't I just send a message? I miss you. I love you. I, miss, I want to have a conversation with you. So, with the, so you're saying karmic patterns, are, they're a way of just identifying the things that you do and attract over and over again. As an example that you mentioned there, relationships, you might be constantly seeing people who treat you wrong and part of you wants it, but part of you don't. It's like, why am I attracted to that? And it's uh, the cycle you go through. Is there also a global or across the whole human population karmic cycle? Yeah. I, know, I know that we weren't always uh, so, um, what's that word? Uh, globalized or globalization. You know, we weren't so connected. But is the human race always going through a karmic cycle, do you think? Yeah, I do. I do. I and feel- if so, what, what, which one are we in now? <laughs> I think we're in a massive death, a massive death, like, um, like with COVID, like being like stuck in a house and needing to self-reflect, like you couldn't run anywhere, like you couldn't run to the, couldn't run to the club, 
You know, you couldn't like go get your hookups. You couldn't like escape. Like you had Netflix, and then once you've watched all of Netflix, um, now I'm bored. So you, you're faced with like this existential anxiety. Like, why am I here? And it's forced people to look at their jobs. Like, am I gonna? Am I, am I rushing to get back into the job that I hated now that I'm working from home? Like, people love a lot of people love working from home. Like, like I can just jump on my computer and go to the kitchen or whatever it is. Like, I'm. So there's this. I think the karmic cycle where we're entering right now, we're always in some kind of cycle. And depending on what esoteric system you want to have a look at, it can time with astrology. So like Pluto's doing something in the, the sixth house, I don't know, at the top of my head. Like there's always something that, that's, that's going on cosmically. And um, like what I see at the moment is I see people coming together. Like there's a, there's, there, there is a, a pulling apart, but I think in that we're really individuating. And I think that's beautiful. Like people honoring in the indi- people's individual choice of whatever they want to do. And also teasing apart like, well, like we've, we've, had, we've had science like really like helped us a lot. And then now it's like, well, where's the spiritual component in this? Like what's the, can science give meaning to existence? Um, and then... Um, yeah, I think there's, there's more veils lifting. I really think it's just a massive shake-up of like, what do you believe and why? What do you believe this and why? And, and that's what I'm loving. Like, um, yeah. And is, is there, you think, a, an, an end goal? As in there's... Because if there was like, we need to see this side or that side, it kind of expresses the idea that there's something outside of us that is giving us lessons or trying to make us learn something you know you need this balance or that balance so you have too much science now you need spirituality or you need this and you need this cycle is do you believe that there's something outside of us that's trying to make us see things or is it just purely coincidence i i I don't have a good answer for that like i think it's the cosmic joke like um i think this is a massive cosmic joke there and like there's like like if i speak to like the relationships that i've been in like I'll pendulum between women that I can't keep away and then women that are always in my face. So there's like this, well, this is hilarious. Like I, now I need to like, what, what am I not learning here? And I see the same thing with my dad. Um, and I, I could just be giving meaning to everything, which is why I love technology that removes all the meaning from things. Um, but yeah, I think that, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a conscious thing that's giving us lessons or just we're just attracting it like through whatever the, the laws of the, the laws of nature. Like, okay, I need to, I'm, I'm attracting this lesson of whatever it is to to really learn how to walk that line, like walk that middle path of the yin yang. Like, what am I doing? Like, I guess I guess the acknowledging, excuse me, acknowledging whatever the 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 body is experiencing and how powerful we are as individuals to create our reality. Um, whether that's relationship, whether that's whatever we want to do, like um, I think the honouring that we are incredibly powerful and then also incredibly insignificant at the same time and find that balance of like, well, why am I here? Yeah, I feel for a long time, you know, we've been so science heavy. We've been so crossing the T's and dotting the I's and making sure everything has its perfect place and Sometimes, you know, in my mind, I've put together a little theory, which is, you know, they talk about the, the highway to hell, right? And the highway is wide and expanding. And then you have the narrow path, which not many people walk, right? And I started thinking to myself, and it was partly inspired by Jordan Peterson, who we can touch on as well, because I know you, 
you have some thoughts on that as well. He was talking about order and chaos. And, you know, and I started thinking about the narrow path. I'm like, why is, firstly, why is the path narrow? Well, obviously, because not many people walk it. And why is the, the highway wide? Because lots of people go down it. What is on each side of the narrow path? It's order and chaos, right? If you have too much order, you become too rigid. You become too mechanical. You can't, you can't be flexible. You can't do this. You can't do that. But if you come too chaotic, then you have no structure, which makes everything chaotic and all over the place. And walking the narrow path is a balance like walking a beam. You have a beam that you walk along and you have to, sometimes you veer off to too much order. You might structure a podcast too much or you might, you might not be structured at all, right? And then it's a constant balancing act of asking yourself the question, where is the balance? You know, because I hear in Buddhist philosophy that, you know, and you said it before, having balance, you know, having that balance in your life of this and that. But it's like, what does that actually look like? So just as a side note, it's like the order and the chaos of your life and walking the narrow path with one question perhaps in mind, which is, am I having too much awe right now or am I having too much chaos? Yeah, it's beautiful, bro. Um, what does it look like? I, I, it looks different for each individual. Like I, 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 what's helped me cope with it is humor. Um, and, and, and like for me, like being able to over-organizing things and then watching them collapse in a heap and then like just laughing or like not organizing anything and then having all egg on my face because I didn't spend any time organizing it. So there's like, I think the, the humor is the cosmic joke in, in the, whole, the whole thing and being able to surrender to how it makes me look. So I think the, when, I'm, when I'm just doing it for me, like when I'm, when I'm walking that middle path just for me, like it's, it's so much more peaceful. Um, when I'm wanting to look like I've got it all together, it gets exhausting. <laughs> So I think there's a, I haven't got an answer because I think each individual has their own unique expression and some people like the chaos. Like for me, like if I look around my room right now, like if, if my partner walked in, she'd be like, why have you got all these, these empty mugs of coffee over here on, on the bench over here? Or why is your, why have you got unfinished artwork in the corner? Or your room's so dusty. Um, and, and in that, like, I don't mind it. I don't mind that. But then there's other areas of my life which I'm very rigid around. Um, and what are those? That's a good question. I don't even know what those are. Um, so it's, it's, there's, there's other components in me that, 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 that I, I need to allow for chaos so I can offset my rigidity somewhere else. Um, so it's like I actually like my... Uh, yeah, I just prefer like that. Oh, okay, my room's in a complete state of chaos which means I don't need to worry about anything right now, it's fine. And there's other things where, usually in my business I'm quite rigid. So how I make posts, how I do other things, how I speak, I can be really rigid around. Um, so like my, my appearance, I can get really rigid around, except for my hair at the moment, which I'm, I'm kind of, I'm letting that go. I'm letting that go. Um, for those that can't see and they're listening on audio, <laughs> we have lockdown hair, lockdown. as they call it. We've been in lockdown for a good three months now. Well, I mean, longer than that, it feels like it. It's called lockdown locks. They call lockdown it lockdown locks. I love that. Get those lockdown locks going. That's <laughs> oh, so funny. I love that. I love that. I didn't realize my hair goes so curly. I put a little bit of product in I love there. It. Yeah, thanks, bro. Thank you. you look beautiful. Ah, oh, 
Luke. Oh, you shucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then with Jordan Peterson, like I love JP stuff. Um, I got a lot of love for JP. You wrote a status, uh, it was about a year ago, I think. I remember reading it briefly about a breakdown of his character. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember there was some stuff he said about him. Did you want to share that? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, man. Yeah, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but, but this, this ah, great book. I haven't, I haven't read his new book. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> no. I just showed, it was the, the Beyond Order. Jordan Peterson, for those that can't see it. Yeah, like I, I respect the man. Like I really do see, um, he sees, he sees the symptom picture. Like he sees, like, uh, and like in, in human design wise, he's a five one. So he's, he's he's someone who's investigates and is here to bring something into the world and can be accused of being a heretic. Um, well, he's a bit of a heretic. So heretics usually are troublemakers. Like they 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 go against the status quo. But in, in him, but for him himself, he's someone who's a rigid. So he's got that, that rigid character structure in him. And he's also got a, a little bit of a component of the, um, the schizoid, which so he's, he's, he can be quite um, black and white thinking. But then in, so d- defining, so schizoid means black and white thinking? Yeah, yeah. For, as a very right. general, schizoid is black and white mm-hmm. thinking. Um, and um, so the, the, the rigid wants like efficiency and is a perfectionist. Um, but then the, the schizo can get really attached to the, the black and white thinking and wants it to be perfect. Um, but in, in, the, in the context of Jordan Peterson, um, like I see like whatever his modalities are, he, he'd, he'd do a great, he'd, I think he would love a good hit of psilocybin or DMT. <laughs> Put him on the Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, he can give him, a, give him some. Um, <laughs> but I, I, with JP, like he, he, there's a, a Whatever he learnt about like, the gulags and, and humankind and, and humanity, like you, you go into the cesspools, like the shadow of, of humanity, and if you can't see any light there, if you lose hope, if you get lost in that world, like you become the monster. So I think when, when he went through his, his massive depression, like his chronic depression, and then went on the barbiturates and, and his, his whole health journey, like he really needed to express like that disgust or the rage at humanity of like how we were doing some of the same stuff that we did years ago and people have written about it and we're still doing the same stuff again. So um, I think that that's where the, like why I have so much respect for him because he's gone, he's, do, he's done the hero's journey. Like he's gone to the cave, he's done whatever he needed to do to find, he's come back. But then in that, he needs to express it, not in an articulate way, like in a book, but like raging it out. Like, I'd love to see Jordan have a good rage. I'd love to get him downstairs and massage his jaw, get into his back. <laughs> let, it out, let it out, Jordan. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your dad, JP. What happened? What did your mum do to you? Who, who bullied you as a kid? Come on, get, get in there. So, and Show me that spine. <laughs> Where did Timmy take, take your chocolate? Where, yeah, what did Timmy do to your chocolates? Where's the Tim Tammy took? <laughs> Don't hide it from me, Jordan. Don't hide it from me. Have you cleaned your room, Jordan? <laughs> exactly. And that would be it. You best be cleaning it. <laughs> no more reading from you. Where's that patriarchy? <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat that lobster again, okay? Oh, but I love that, you know? Like, like I love him. And I think he'd do some great body psychotherapy or some psilocybin or something just to, to get him in his body. Uh, the energetically, um, he's very upward displaced. 
and I, I see he's got a pelvic split, so I don't know what his sex life is like. Um, but it's, I, I'd get him into some tantra too. I'd be like, bro. What's a pelvic split? A pelvic split. A pelvic split is, is where uh, <clears throat> it usually happens. It's part of the uh, um, over puberty. What can happen is um, you'll start expressing sexuality. You'll start expressing like either you suck like, as, a, as a man, like you'll start getting erections, start getting pubic hair. Um, and then sometimes your mum. This is, this is where it gets like, this is like the old school. This is like the old like way of viewing sexuality. Freud. Freud. And, um, and there's some truth in it. Um, they, with some of the clients that I've treated, like they, they remember specific moments of, of either with their, their same sex parent or opposite sex parent. And um, you express something about your sexuality to your opposite sex parent and you get shamed for it. Uh, or the the opposite sex parent doesn't know how if they if they haven't addressed their own sexuality, um, they can either shame you for what they are feeling, or they can see something in you that they want to try and protect or um, hide you from or just not address. So in the split, the pelvic split, the split is from the pelvis, so the sexual um, sexuality from the heart. So what happens, it's, it's, it can be quite a rigid thing as well. So when you get aroused, instead of allowing, allowing the, the kundalini, the chi, the prana, whatever it is to flow into the heart and being able to have like um, open-hearted sex with your pelvis, you can just go straight into the head or the throat. So there's like this, this battle, there's almost like a column of energy that goes from the pelvis to the head and there's no heart in it. So a lot of... Um, I, my clients that uh, have, I've, I say, they've got rigid pathology, um, they, they're quite sexualized, they're quite sexual human beings, but they really struggle in long-term relationships. They tend to have a lot of attachment injuries around like either avoidance or anxiety, um, where they can't open their heart in the relationship, especially during physical intimacy. Like they, they can get, they can like be really technically amazing, but then when it comes to, Opening, opening the heart and like being present with the person, like looking into their eyes and really being slow and like really becoming one in 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 physical intimacy. They can really struggle with. They can want to run a, run away or have an excessive need for reassurance. Yeah, it all manifests in the body. I mean, for the most part, people hold tension in their body, and it, it manifests in in various ways. Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot you can tell by a person by how they move and how they talk and how they walk and but the often the downside of that is that you know if you're a person of uh, how would you say cynicism, you start to look at people's flaws. When you see when you learn body language, for example, when you're a salesperson, you look for ways you can exploit or ways you can take advantage. How do you remain empathetic? Is it looking at the right. shadow inside yourself? That's a, that's a great question, bro. That's a, that's a, I'm really happy you asked that question. Because um, for me, like when, when I first got these tools, I was super judgmental. Um, and then um, I, I couldn't help myself. But part of the exercises during this mentorship was going out and um, categorizing people, just looking at people. And like, we'd go out in, ten, in, in groups and we'd just identify people and we'd all like kind of... Um, uh, Compare our results on what we thought was like what, what the person had. 
So for me, it's been um, a journey to understanding and compassion. And I think and that's what I lead with. So when I'm talking to someone, I can listen from nothing, like not take their body into account and just say, what do you have to say to me? And when I'm putting more of the, the therapist hat on, I can look at their body and go, look, I can tell like, like your caregiver, your caregiver, your caregiver, your caregivers never gave you the space for you to self-express, whatever that was. They always made your anger wrong or they, um, they didn't encourage you sexually or they didn't encourage you to be artistic or you were, you were, you were never allowed to express your feelings because um, there was always a reason given to you to not express your feelings. Like if you were unhappy about food, you can't be unhappy about that food. Little Timmy next door has got chocolates or whatever it is. Like there's some kind of reason. Good Tim Tams. <laughs> Tim Tams. Eat your Tim Tams. You know, there's, there's people, there's kids in other countries that would kill for those Tim Tams. You've got to eat all your Tim Tams. Tim so, Tam Timmy. Tim Tam Timmy. <laughs> so there's, there's uh, in, answer, in answer to your question, um, uh, I, I, I could use those skills malevolently um, and take advantage of people and and i guess that's it's a journey into my own shadow around like allowing the person to be who they are and just like if, if someone wants to come to me they can um, because you can and like in, in the mentorship program that i did um that was something that that could be used i could use my my skill like i know what a, i know what a rigid i know what someone who's rigid needs in order to to get whatever their shadow wants um a masochist is the same so i have the toolkit to be able to do that um, just through looking at a person, which is why when I mentioned to my mate, you know what, the, 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 um, it was doing the deep learning stuff, I'm like, is it really wise if I tell him this, that you could actually analyze a person's body and be able to predict like what their childhood patterns are, like what their attachment injuries are. So yes, short, yes, you can. And um, it's, it's an ongoing thing for me to like, hey, leave the person who they are and then being being able to be transparent and honest in myself like, i don't want to take advantage of someone i got that's like you tell me what you want or what's going on for you i don't need to like manipulate my way into getting what i want i can just straight up ask hey i think you're good looking hey this hey i want this so yeah just be honest yeah and it's often the things you say and the way you show up might have been said by, you know, just being honest and being straight up. There's often a fear of saying something generic and being the same as everyone else, right? It's like this, you know, let's say, for example, you're trying to pick up a chick or like, you know, whatever, you know, you're trying to get a job and you think you need to say something like X, Y, Z. And you think that because you feel like you're not original because everyone would say the same thing. Like, I think you're attractive. It's like, that's lame or that's stupid. That's silly. But the truth is no one said, everyone said it, but no, no one like you has said exactly. it. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's where you are the uncomparable. Like you are the thing that you think you are not. Uh, let me rephrase that. You are the thing. You are more than what you think you are because there's no one like you. You're a unique combination of experiences that no one else has had before. So you shouldn't doubt yourself. And I think further to that, you know, my, I'll, I'll be open and vulnerable here for a second. Like I, it all started when I was watching YouTube, right? And I saw a shorts video 
and it was a video of someone taking a video of one of Jordan Peterson's talks. And he and Jordan Peterson said in the video, um, in my whole time practicing as a clinical psychologist, I have never seen someone able to get away with bending reality. And you know, obviously what he then explained was lying. He would see clients, he would see all different types of people, and they would come in and say, oh, this thing's happening in my life, or this, and the more they spoke about it, it went back to something they did a long time ago that led to that bad situation. And I don't know how I got to this, but I, you know, white lies, for example, that's bending reality. Little lies here and there that is convenient. You know, as Fleetwood Mac says, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. What else is sweet? Sugar's sweet. You know, but it destroys you the more you have it. The more you eat sugar, the more you're destroyed by, by the consumption of it. So I, you know, and there's a certain feeling inside, a bandwidth that's taking up, taken up from managing that lie. So I went through a bit of a process recently and I, I saw that video and I'm like, where am I being dishonest? And I don't mean dishonest in a complete upfront uh, black and white lie. I mean, you know, half truth, half lie, half this, quarter lie, whatever. And I went to uh, my, you know, my best friend and also my ex, I guess you could say. And, she, and I, I, I confessed all the lies I can remember that I told her. I sat down with her and I said, hey, I just want to become completely transparent with you. Um, and I said to her all the lies that I told her, all the things that I did that were untruthful and continue to try and do that. And even now when I try not to lie, it's like, it's, it's automatic in a way. So I have to stop myself and consciously do it. And here's the thing, right? You know, just to protect myself for a second, when I'm saying a lie, I'm not talking about, you know, writing fraud on my tax and saying there's more than there is. I'm talking about, uh, you know, making yourself seem better than what you are, even slightly, or, you know, conveniently saying something else to avoid a hard conversation. You know, little things like just wording things a certain way or saying something's happening when it's not happening, you know, little things like that. So all in all, you know, you can't bend reality. And so the lies you tell other people, this is for everyone listening, the lies you tell other people are the lies you tell yourself. And every lie you tell someone else, you think you're helping yourself, but you're turning reality against you. You're turning time against you. And the more you tell the truth, the more you uncover parts of yourself that you previously avoided. So the moral of the story, <laughs> don't lie. Mm. I love that. I love that. And, and when you were speaking, like the word that kept jumping out at me was integrity. Integrity, 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 and like you can restore integrity, like you, what you with your with your ex, if you restore integrity with that, you, you've actually repaired whatever that 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 karmic timeline is there. Like you know what, now what, there was there was something that was in all that, you know, and then that when, after you had that conversation, like how did you feel? Like what changed for you after you spoke to that? What changed for me was. I didn't have to hide anymore. You know, like going back to what you said about um, 
saying certain things uh or like trying to to you know say certain ways of saying things or or whatever it might have been i think i said that actually anyways doesn't matter but there's a heaviness that comes to it and comes with it i should say you know lying doesn't actually lead to anything but pain in the end and i it's like it's just offsetting future problems with the burden of having to do it in the future anyway so i felt relieved i felt relieved and there's still some stuff that i have to say and and i will say especially after this conversation <laughs> but the you know it's it's a cleanness yeah. and i and i went through a, a job interview process recently for a part-time job whilst i'm doing all the stuff that i'm doing and typically in the past i would have i think most people do this but you know let's just be raw and honest like i would exaggerate skills and assets or exaggerate parts of my achievements to win the interview or win the person over and it would work you know it would always work and in this process i was as transparent as I could possibly be, you know, and it, it was a relieving feeling to know that it was a far better feeling than getting a job and thinking, you know, did I get this job because of the things I said I was or because of who I am? So it's integrity and, and the integrity feels clean. It's high fidelity. You know, it's like eating a, a nice meal. It tastes a nice healthy meal it tastes not the best sometimes if you're not a good cook like leafy greens perhaps <laughs> but you know the next morning after you've had a sleep it tastes amazing whereas macca's taste nice at the time but after that it tastes disgusting yeah i love that i i love all of that yeah like, like lying is junk food like um it's timmy's tim tams you know it's like it's <laughs> bloody, bloody timmy. timmy mate timmy he's gonna timmy um but i love that bro and like i i, I and i hear that like um the overselling of self, like, cause I do that too. Like, um, and it's been walking this line of like, well, like, how do I, how do I actually own my worth? And how do I compete in the world of like coaches and therapists and other leaders? Like, like how do I sell myself? Um, and do I need to sell myself? Can I just be like, can I just put myself out there? Like what can I, cause, cause selling myself gets so exhausting. Um, but then also like not knowing, not really having a grounded sense of self, like, Coming from a, a coming from a background where only academia was I could make a living from, so my parents have conversations about John, go to university, do your masters, get an MBA, get all that stuff. That's the only way you can make a living. So for me, creating my own business has been like, well, my family support isn't really there. Like they don't. I, I, it's not like so in, in my worth as, as a person. Like I need to get more qualifications. So developing worth from like my testimonials and like people tell me john you're actually like you're actually pretty good at what you do and they're like being oh am i though but don't i need don't like am i though so i i hear that overselling um and then like when i do that i feel like such a fraud like when i like get I'm... the job or get whatever it is it's like i feel like i, I I'm, a, I'm an imposter what am i doing here um and yeah like i, I like and when you were speaking i was like bro how uh, what would what do you think the world would be like if everyone was just brutally honest um dude it'd be it'd be the version of utopia that everyone talks about except without you know some temporary pain of hardship of oh i'm so offended you know 
but then it'd be perfectly fine and everything would appear to be in order. Yeah. I just wonder why humans don't do that. Why don't we do that? That's a, that's a great question. Why? Why, mm. why do we, you know, I, I get it, right? So the what's the antithesis of a lie, though? Where does it start from? Mm. I, and what part of human nature needs it? No, Sorry. no, no. You go, you're you're in a great, you want to keep going. Like, I was just like, yeah. I, I, I think it's fear. Um, just, just different iter- fear of iter- iterations of fear. So um, fear, of, fear of being kicked out of the tribe. Um, fear of failure, uh, fear of um, being less than. I, I, I see a lot of it, it's just primal, like a primal component of not being accepted or not being loved. Like, like why, would we, why would we need to talk? Why would we, in, in, where does it come from? Like an economy, it's come from an economy of being able to be a value. So if you're not a value, then you're no use to the tribe. So how do you create value for yourself? You either talk yourself up, or you get a lot of abilities, or you become irreplaceable. But when you, when you, when there's a point of um, when there's a the, the market is sat the market is saturated, then you really need to make a point of difference to make yourself identify yourself as valuable. So I think people are just afraid of being worthless, um, and then there's fear that comes from that. Like oh, I'm not useful. Like, what am I? What am I even doing here? Um, yeah. I wonder then, you know, the unique commodity is realness. And the ironic thing is that if you are who you are and you show up as you are, then how can anyone compete with you? How can anyone contend with someone that's uncontendable? It's not possible, right? And that's why the question of why do we do this as humans is even more puzzling for me. You know, I'd I'd like to understand that more and more. You know, I think there is a few books out there that talk about the psychology of lying and what the rewards are. And you know, but here's the thing, right? It's it's so culturally accepted as well that a white lie is actually something commendable. You know, you tell someone that you casually lied to someone to avoid a, a pain they couldn't handle, then you're commended for it. Oh, that was the right thing to do. You know, and I think there's a big difference between white lies and being tactful and honest at the same time you know what i think it is i think i just figured it out john i think i think it's so there's a law of least resistance in human nature right in that law of least resistance the 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 key outcome is to to avoid effort and avoid exp- uh, expenditure of energy it is far more convenient and far more easier to to lie than to tell the truth because it requires more energy. Mm, the truth requires, yeah, the truth requires effort. The truth requires, yeah, right. Mm. And yeah, interesting when you mention that, like when I'm thinking like the moments when I've lied, um, it's either like get away from a conversation or like I don't want to deal with this right now. Um, Instead of just owning like the what so, like I need to tell you something. Um, I don't want to have to deal with the aftermath, so I'm just going to tell you and just walk away. Um, like I just, I, yeah, I don't want to have this conversation right now. Um, I, yeah, or whatever it is. Like I think you're full of crap. I think what you just said was rubbish, and just walk away. And like the, I won't have to deal with unpacking. Why? 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 It's like that's it. I've said it. I'm walking. Mic drop. Bomb. 
um, done. Mm. Well, to add to that quickly, you know, you said before, I don't have to think of this for a moment, you said people use something, a lie, right, in this example, to hide from self-esteem issues. Now, let me rephrase it. Let me unpack that for a second, right? So when you're traumatized as a child or as a kid, you go through a process of making a story up in your mind to protect yourself from the truth of possibly that you're not good enough. And you lie to yourself and tell yourself that you are not the thing that you think you are and that protects you. Right? And yeah, so it's this... So it's and and to extend that to what you also said as well, which is awesome. We're hiding from ego death. So the question might be instead, why are we running away from an ego death? And if we never lied to ourselves, if we never had trauma, would we lie anyway? Because if we see the positive results of I can lie to myself and tell myself that I'm X and I can feel better for it, you know, like oh my mum just rejected me, you know, that's because uh, women, all women are bad. You know, all women are bad, or this or that. It's far more convenient to believe a lie than it is to believe the truth. But if you believe the truth, it's far more convenient for your life long term. So it's just short, short term thinking. Uh, I love that, bro. Uh, and I want to bring it back to characterology and the, and the lying. So, like with the with with Please. the rigid, like the rigid has real issues with authenticity, and and there's a denial of whatever the real self is. Um, so there's a, there can be a, a lack of spontaneity in, in the rigid because they're like, well, how do, how do, I, how do I behave? What's the, what's the correct way to behave right now? And in that, you can tell lies. Because oh, I don't know who my real self is because of like, I needed to adopt another, I needed to adopt a defense in order to fit in with my family, my culture, whatever it is. Um, so I don't really know who my, my, myself is. So with the rigid, and I've had to go through this, like that's why I've done like tantra and all the stuff that I've done is to understand like, what is it that I really want? Because if you don't know what you want, there's, there's, you, there's like a maintaining of an identity of what you think that you want. So the, 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 the journey to authenticity, which I think what you've done perfectly there by just speaking to, acknowledging and reflecting on where you've lied, or tell white lies or whatever it is, or being inauthentic, and then sat down and had that conversation, just given it air, you're discovering whatever this, this true version of you is, which I think is like, I think it's, it's the journey to the self. Like it's the, it's, it's, it's self-healing. It's totally, totally. And then somatically, like when someone receives you and doesn't like condemn you for lying, it allows your central nervous system to reset. I was like, hey, you know what? That, that lie actually wasn't that bad. Like telling it wasn't that bad and recounting it, like recalling it wasn't that bad either. So thank you, whoever it was, like thank you for listening to me about my lie and rest- allowing me to restore integrity um, around like me making up something. Like um, one of the personal development courses that I just finished Integrity is a huge thing. There's actually a really cool PDF on it. Um, so that without integrity, like everything just falls apart. Like we see that in all in all realms of healing. Like when someone like like if a, if a healer's lying about um, whatever they um, 
whatever they're proclaiming or a politician or anyone in, in areas of authority, whenever they lie or, or have a, a lapse of integrity, then after a while when integrity gets destroyed, then you need to restore trust. So, so oh, now how do you restore trust? Through transparency and honesty. So it's like whatever, whatever, however ugly the truth is, you just got to say it. Yeah. You know, even doing this podcast, you know, there's a feeling of, oh, like, what's the advisable tip that we can leave behind for people? But there's value, there's value in just, in just speaking and talking and, and, and contributing to a conversation. You know, like, if anything, I've learned from this conversation, it's like I, come in, I came into this with a lot of structure, you know, because there was a lot of chaos before and how I was doing this. I was like, you know what, just figure it out, whatever happens. Then I had, you know, I, I took on the identity of someone else doing a podcast, Tim Ferriss particularly, and how he does it. I'm like, maybe I should do it like him. And, you know, he's very, like, methodical with the questions, very, like, everything's planned out, it seems like. And perhaps that's just, you know, the way he does it. And it's not, it's not anything to do with him being rigid. It's just who he is. Um, but I, you know, in the attempt to do this podcast, I'm like, it needs to be a certain structure, a certain way. And... And inside of me, when I'm like going to ask a question, it's like, well, what's the extractable tip that people can get from this, you know? And again, it's that narrow path of walking those two fine lines. And yeah, I didn't know where that fit into the whole thing, but, you know, it's beyond order, you know, 12 more rules for life. <laughs> I love it, bro. I, I love how you run this. Like, I love it. Like, it's, it felt flowy to me. Yeah, it was like we just danced, just dance, bro. I love, I love it. This is yeah, it's great. I had the intention before coming on this that it would be flow, you know, and um, uh, and yeah, it doesn't matter what happens in it. It's like it has to be enjoyable. It can't be something you're doing for someone else, or it can't be you know something you're trying to do because someone else thinks you should do it, or you know what would everyone else like, or how should how should how does someone else do it? And this, again, goes back to the analogy of, like, between order and chaos. You know, you need to have a bit of chaos or a bit of order sometimes. And it depends on who you're speaking to and the context. And you know, like Bruce Lee said, be like water. And I think a life without lying, a life that's authentic, a life that's aligned, and it's on the narrow path but bounced between those two things, is being like water. So rigidity goes away. Mm when you accept the parts of you that you don't want to accept, which means facing the lies that you've been telling yourself to other people and, and the whole world. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, and in that, like, I just want to contribute just finally there, um, like looking for the vanity metrics of like the results. Like for me, like I'll make something and I'll copy someone else. And then um, like I won't get the vanity metrics of the likes or the shares or whatever it is. And then I'm like, I'm, just, I'm going to do it for me. Like, what do I feel the most in? Like, where, where do I love the chaos? And where do I love the rigidity? And like being able to honor, like, I'm not going to make it look like anything else other than like what it want for me. And I think in that, like, I just attract whatever the tribe is that really likes that, you know, like, cool. Like, I'm just going to be me as much as I can be me. I'm going to attract all the people that like that version of me, which is the most authentic me that I can have. Beautiful, man. That'd be a good place to end, but I do have a few rapid-fire questions. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll wrap up. We've got some written down here. So, 
Timmy. <laughs> Timmy. Timmy with the Tim Tam. All right, so here's the, right, here's the questions, right. right? What is one of the biggest challenges we are facing as a civilization? Transparency. Boom. Love it. And, well, I'm just going to say what, what you think the solution is, but obviously transparency. Okay. If you could leave behind a toolbox for future generations, what would you have in it? And as an example, right, uh, you might leave a certain book in there. You might leave a practice. You might leave a quote. It can be a combination of things. What would be a toolbox that you would leave behind if you weren't here? Oh, wow. That's a great question. What would I leave behind? I'd leave behind uh, Wilhelm Reich's characterology. It'd be the book. Book. And I'd leave behind um, uh, the Gene Keys, the 64 Ways, the Gene Keys, 64 Ways. Um, those would be the two things I'd, I'd leave behind. Um, and um, I also wanted to add something practical in there because I want to like have something like a, like a bag of seeds or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like... With some parsley some or parsley. some Tim Tams and like a, a, a Twinkie wrapper or something. Um, yeah, I think the, those yeah. two things. I think um, like characterology and and gene keys and and well, there's one there's, there's one more thing. Uh, um, yeah, a body work manual. Just like how how to how to get, how to work your body, like whatever that looks like. Um, yeah, put, I throw my book in there too, you know. Cause I'm not biased by that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very large toolbox. It's a big one. <laughs> it's a big toolbox. Is it a metal toolbox or a wood one? That's a good question too. Oh no! Um, I you design the toolbox <laughs> as well. Design the toolbox. Then there's a there's a nostalgic part of me that wants to. It's got to be wooden, like a really nice wooden toolbox. Well, that's not going to really last. Yeah, yeah. Let's make it a nice <laughs> Tasmanian oak. <laughs> Chocolate. Epoch resin. It's <laughs> <laughs> made of Tim. <laughs> made of Tim Tam chocolate. <laughs> What's the next question? Mm. That's all. That's all the questions, love it. man. Love it. Anything else you like to add? What do I love it? What do I love to add? Bro, I love what you've done here. I love what you've created. I love the iterations of like when you the first one we did this and then this time. Um, and I love watching you on your journey, bro, of like self-discovery. And like every time we have a conversation, it's like, yeah, I've discovered a lot about myself right now. I'm going to bring this into the world. I just love that, bro. Like you, it's an inspiration to see um, just people wanting to understand and have that humility to go, oh, what else is out there? What else is going on? And who am I going to talk to? And just bringing stuff that you find passionate into the world in your own way. Oh, I love that, bro. I have so much respect for your creation and just, just you're creating your own leadership, like legacy, um, which I have a huge admiration for. So that's what I want to say. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, as a kid, I was always very curious and I couldn't stop asking questions and I never have. Don't stop. Never and, stop. Uh, <laughs> I won't, man. I won't ever stop. Thank you, beautiful people, for listening to another episode of the Getting Mental Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, follow, and share it with your friends and family. If you would like to see more of the Getting Mental Podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're on every social media platform. You can find us at Getting Mental Podcast. Until next time.